Go Birds Radio, presented by the Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app. Official sportsbook of the real Philly fan. What's going on? It's Elliot Shore Parks for my friends at Window Nation. And if you've had enough of your windows keeping the house chilly, then fight the February cold with Window Nation. Right now, replace your windows and save big with 50% off all window styles, plus zero down, zero interest, and no payments for 24 months. With proven quality and service, it's no wonder thousands have trusted Window Nation. Don't miss out. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com to schedule your free in-home estimate. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Hey guys, what's going on? Jeff Mosher here from the Inside the Birds podcast. Listen, I am covering the Eagles on my own independent journalism route on patreon.com slash Jeff Mosher. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Jeff Mosher. You're going to get really in-depth coverage. You're going to get all 22 tape breakdowns, previews for games, recaps, scouting reports, inside information, the whole gamut. It'll be very comprehensive Eagles coverage for only $1.99 a month. That's like six cents a day for great coverage you can't beat that also for every 100 subscribers i'm gonna donate ten dollars to the wounded warrior project listen there's no pop-up ads there's no distractions and the content you don't even have to look for it comes straight to you via email patreon.com slash jeff mosher check it out you're listening to the go birds pod a radio.com podcast about your beloved birds All right, everyone, welcome back to the Inside the Birds podcast, episode six. We are now six episodes old, which means we haven't been kicked out yet (laughs) by our proud partners, the Go Birds Network. And of course, we broadcast this podcast live from the WIP studios. We thank them. Loving it all. Let me just go through the introductions real quick here. It's the same cast of characters. We've got myself, Jeff Mosher, longtime Eagles reporter. We got Adam Kaplan, NFL insider, Eagles insider, classic interrupter, uh, like very to. loquacious man. <laughs> and to his left, we've got our former Pitt Panther, former Philadelphia Eagle, a man who drives a Maserati. <sighs> so that says a lot right there. Billy Osborne. What's up, guys? Hey, pretty not bad. And I also stand during the national anthem. So did Adam. I saw him do that before we came on the air. So it was all good. <laughs> Adam only stands because he's looking at other people. Oh, is that what it was? Okay. He's yeah, a, you might be right about he's that. He's also a classic people watcher. Am I, am, I, am I an interloper? <laughs> you might be. I've been called that before. You might be, my friend. So that's, listen, guys, that's how this we is met, going though, to be... Think about that. Yes. We what met down that? in Florida. Well, that's how we, one of the first times we met. Sure. We were people watching at the NFL owners meeting. In Orlando. In Orlando. Yeah. I had a met. feeling you guys were people watching. 
college. Yes, we were. Yeah, I'm going to ask you about that a little bit later, Billy, because, okay. you know, if there's one thing, an NFL player oh. who's a people watcher, you've got to have some pretty good stories. Yes. But obviously the big story, guys, uh, Carson Wentz is back as our man here. Adam Kaplan predicted uh, about a week or two ago. Carson would be cleared around this time and then uh, start to take the first team reps and be ready. You said as soon as he got cleared, he's gonna it's going to be a Monday and he's going to start. To that week Wednesday or the week after, and, right, right? Right. Wow. And, yeah. And so we got it. Uh, so, so one thing that stands out, right, is that it's it's strange to me like the whole nine month mark, right? Because <laughs> if he had actually been cleared for the Tampa Bay game and started practice that Wednesday before, it would have been I think I counted two days before the nine month <laughs> mark, right? And then as soon as they play the game, which is I think on the anniversary of the nine month mark, the next day it's, it's hey he's cleared, he's ready to go, it, no holding back. It's <laughs> funny you say that, Jeff, because I, I looked it up. It was December thirteenth, yeah, two thousand seventeen. It was on a Wednesday. And wouldn't you know it, last Wednesday would have been just more or less been it. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, around the nine-month mark, remember I said when we first started this podcast, uh, the recovery for these injuries, I'm told, from a medical professional is nine to 12 months. An ACL is six to nine, but when you have LCL and the IT band, it's nine to 12 months. Here we go, nine months. Again, I think it's what Dr. David Chow told us when he came on our, our show. Mm-hmm. That the well, longer we're making him famous in the Philly area, yeah, he's, he's on been, the uh, midday show. Yeah, he's great, David, Dr. Chow is awesome, and he is the only one. We should make this very clear. He is the only one doing the video analysis. That's a former NFL team doctor. No one else is, and I'm not criticizing anyone else who's doing it. He's the only no, one. He's more innovative. He's way, he's yeah. just he's accurate. First of all, he's like 97 percent accurate. He's incredible at it, and he did tell us whenever Carson came back, he thought it would be later, but whenever Carson comes back. It won't be close to 100%. It might be 80. Close to 100% is like 97, 98. And that's about as strong as it gets. We don't know exactly because we're not, we don't get the scans. But he's at a point now, and I talked about this last week. I said, guys, I think he could play, he could have played week one. But the smart way is what the doctor who did the, the surgery did, uh, said to John Clark of NBC 10. What's two or three more weeks waiting? When you want a relationship that's going to be 8 to 10 to 12 years. That's just being smart. Right. And the Eagles, as I was told weeks ago, and why I went on our show and said, I think it's not going to be week one. I said, they're taking the conservative approach. That is the smartest way, Bill. As you know, as a guy who's had ACL rehab, isn't it the longer you wait, the, the, the better strength you have? Like When you went through your ACL rehab, was there an interval? Like, Is it six months, seven months where you start saying, okay, I'm starting to get close to where I want to get? Yeah, there's no, there's no doubt about that. And I think that what happens is that, you know, you start feeling pretty good and then you start pushing yourself and you're like, you think you want to go, you want to go. I mean, if you ask Carson, he probably felt like he could have went a month or two ago. But the key is, and you pointed it out and so did doctor, and, and the longer you have, the stronger you can feel. And each day, each week, you can become stronger and do more rehab. It just adds to the your overall recovery. You're never really going to know truly how you feel until you get out there and take some hits. You know, he'll be wearing the brace. That's that's going to be different for him. There's What's no doubt that like? about that. It's different. It, it, it is it is a little bit cumbersome. It it doesn't allow you the same movement and fluidity of your used to having in and out of the pocket. Can you play with it? Sure. And most guys now do play with it anyway, even if they don't have an injury. You see a lot of the offensive linemen. They, it's all they. they don't even. I don't think they're even allowed to play without that. 
So it, it will limit his overall ability from a quickness standpoint, but it should not affect his throws or his ability does, to throw the ball. Does that mean he'll run less, you think? I would think so. That's and what I would Dr. Think, Chow I would, thought. Yeah, I would think he would run less, and I think that he would also be a less effective runner, so to speak, especially from side to side. Straight ahead, he's fine. Jeff, a guy from a guy like yourself who's in the locker room a lot, did you get a sense from any of the players that this, A, Carson might be coming back soon, but more importantly, how important he is to those guys in the locker room? Nah, I don't think they care that much. <laughs> <laughs> no, but no, they had yeah. they love Nick. They love yeah. Nick. I think that, and probably you'll have a hard time getting guys to admit it. It's not that they play harder, but I think you see this with any any team leader, any captain, any player of Carson Wentz's ability. The team just rallies around that. And of course, I think because of the situation where he steps into having to play. we, t- we you, you called it, it's funny, we're calling it a conservative approach by the team, and yet he's out there three to six months before most, most orthopedists would even want a guy yeah. or say he's 100%. Yep. So it's kind of aggressively conservative, to be honest with you. Uh, I'm sure the team and some of the players that you talk to, they know that it's their job to make sure that this thing goes smoothly, you know, especially offensive linemen, but not just that. Oh, Running backs who can pick up blitzes, sure. wide receivers catching bit, balls. Yeah. As as you heard Doug Peterson say, he's back, but he ain't Superman. And he comes back at a time in which the offense is kind of looking for a Superman with all the injuries to running back and wide receiver. And so this is why I think the big discussion about this game is Carson Wentz is back, but a lot of guys aren't. Mike Wallace isn't there. Yeah. Darren Sproles probably won't be there. Jay Ajayi may not be there. Uh, Mike, you know, again, they're, they're, Alshon Jeffrey's not going to be there. So Coach Peterson says, Doug Peterson says, I'm not going to coach scared. I'm going to go do what I do. And Carson's going to be out there. Well, what, who's Carson's support system to make this thing work yeah, so and, that he doesn't have to be Superman? And you guys both saw the tape. And, the, and this is what jumped out at me. Nick probably got hit at least 50% of the time he was in dropback situations. Whether it was a sack or when he released the ball, he was on his backside at least 50% of his throws. So my concern is, how is that going to, you know, that, that can't happen this week. So I think you're going to see a, a, a much quicker calling game. I think you're going to see a lot of quick routes. I think you're going to see a lot of three steps, little five step. I don't think you're going to see. So do you disagree? You did, you, you, you're calling Doug out on on coach speak. I'm going to go out there and just play my game. And I, 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 I've, as soon as he said that, I'm uh, like BS. Uh, I think you. No, I'm not saying he, he's going to run the ball 80 times. Right. But what I'm saying is, there. You can't tell me that there's not a little bit of a schematic difference in what you do in Carson Wentz's first Well, I'll give first you a perfect start. example and see if Adam believes this, or if he agrees with me. Like, for example, if you're backed up in the 20-yard line, let's say 10 to 30, and you're, and you're looking in your own end zone, and it's third and 20 or third and 15, my feeling is that he probably is not going to run a long seven-step drop back and expect his guys to run a 20-yard No, it's a halfback draw play. You punt for field position. Or whatever. Yeah. Not put your quarterback in a situation where he's going to get killed. Right. That's I, what I think. I, I don't. He, here's what. I'm going to give you an example of why there's going to be a little bit of a difference in Wentz's play. The play that he tore his ACL. I was at the game in, in Los Angeles. We didn't know at the time. You couldn't see from the TV copy and you couldn't see it from the press box where I was. But when they show the replay, you see him get hit in the side, his lateral collateral ligament. That's that run. He may not make a run. He'll actually throw the football. Agreed. Remember the next play where he stayed in, he should have stayed in. (laughs) Remember he scanned, he scanned, he scanned, he scanned. And he threw the, was that the one that was like Jeffrey took it off the, 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 the turf? 
that incredible catch. Yes. I don't know how he caught that ball. I think now that's probably going to be the difference when he may take off and run. Now, here's one for you. The the Harry Houdini play where he escaped from the rugby scrum. That he still no, may do. No, that's actually a self-preservation right. play. I, I mean, think he, he, he right. I think he'll he was going to get sacked by five right. guys. I think he'll do that. But I agree. I don't think he's going to do the one I described when he unfortunately got hurt. Would he just be smarter with it? Yeah, I think the Carolina game, Adam, is where you look at and say that's something that you got that Carson's got. You can't be going headfirst into two linebackers. I love the aggression, but that's the play where you say you got to play it smart, throw it away, Mm -hmm. go to another down. And I would also say I don't. I'm going to say this thing about Doug. This is what I know from talking to people, to players and coaches and their front office about Doug. He's not going to change. They want to throw the ball deep badly. Last week, you know, uh, what's uh, Mike Wallace got hurt very early. Yep. Their plan, as I understand it, they were going to go deep. This is what they wanted to do. They don't have him now. Um, they've got Jordan Matthews, who we'll get to in a second. Yeah. But any way they could free up by schematics, Aguilar, they're going to do it. Someone's got to make a play. Uh, whether it's Gibson, Jeff. Uh-huh. They, no. They, they, no. Okay. He's playing himself the, off the field. The regular season, he's not been the same guy. It shows you about game preseason game planning teams don't game plan yeah but they so barely now i'm gonna give you another note that the colts gave me uh, the colts source after they watched the tape bill brought up the fact that it seemed like nick got hit a lot and he certainly did and and uh 72 didn't have a good game because it is is that what big v's number is yes okay i know that because the guy who watched the tape said 72 (laughs) yeah so i i i think what happened there was um nick sometimes does not trust what he sees and does not throw the football. Right. That will not happen with Wentz. Most likely, though, there's probably going to be some rust as we sort of develop what we think is going to happen with Wentz here. Mm-hmm. Wentz is a risk taker, where Nick isn't as risky, other than those two playoff games, of course. But in general, his career has been, he's trying to be too precise and wait and wait. Carson is a gambler. I think you're good, you're going to be surprised. I, and, and I, a, I would say a calculated one though, because when he takes his risks, he doesn't throw into coverage. It's just that he reads. Well, he and sees, processes a lot quicker. Jeff, he than Nick sees. In my, actually, his first game ever as as an Eagle against the Browns, there was a big argument. He made a couple throws where you'd say, "Why would you make that throw?" Mm-hmm. He thought he could fit it through the window, and he did. It was a big Joe Brown oh, and I wow, were talking man, listen, about. Listen, we'll talk. But the Jordan Matthews throw is, is yeah, that, that was uh, right. an amazing sprawling right. catch between a linebacker and a safety. That was the, that, that was it. Most you, that's yes. one of those plays where the coach is like, no, no, yes. But, but he doesn't. Yes. He doesn't. That's where I think he's fearless. So to, to, right. to end this part or or to move on, I think that's the difference between the two quarterbacks. And 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 on tape, it shows it. Nick was holding on to the ball too long. I I know Bill had watched the tape and he told me when we were driving in that he thought Big V didn't play well, and I, I'm not disagreeing with that. But I think Carson is the difference maker here. And I like your point about there's just some juice that a starter gets. There's no doubt there's about it. There's no question. That is the and I you know, you and I didn't play Bill did. You built you played at Pitt. You were after Dan Marino, correct? Correct, yep. Okay. Before Alex Van Well, right around Alex Van Pelt. Alex Van Pelt, number yep. ten, by the yeah. way. Yep. Very similar guys, uh, Van Pelt yeah, and Marino. Right. It's yeah. but, but Bill, <laughs> what happens when your injured star, the franchise player, and by the way, this guy probably once was probably gonna hit the Super Bowl, was going to hit the MVP award. What happens when, what kind of juice do you get? It gives you a lift, especially coming off a loss. There's oh, no yeah, doubt right, about right, that. When you're right, coming right. off a loss, you know, you're feeling down, and now all of a sudden, and it's not like Nick 
is not a great player. I mean, look at his stats. You know, fifty-four of eighty-two, four hundred fifty-one yards. I mean, he's he's a you know he didn't really he's not a guy that throws the ball down the field a lot. But I also think that has to do with some of his wide receivers and what their abilities are. So you're right, Rick. Nick is not a risk taker. He's a calculated guy. He, we saw in the Super Bowl when he feels when he gets on a roll, oh, he's no, got that tempo, was the- <laughs> then he unleashes. <laughs> yeah, he's like a, it's like a, it's like a pitcher. Once they start feeling it, they then they start unleashing. Where did that come from, by the way? Uh, where the heck? He, that? That's that's what you call being in the zone. <laughs> okay, he was in a zone. He was so prepared. Oh two God. weeks. He was coming off an unbelievable, you know, playoff run. He felt good. But to your question, the the, the players all know that your franchise guy is coming back in. They're coming off a loss. They know he's coming off a terrible injury. Nobody wants to be that guy that allows this guy not to perform at the top level. So they're all going to raise their game. So we're getting a very pertinent question right now from our Facebook Live audience from Brandon Martin. So I'll ask it before we move on because it's pertinent to the conversation. The question is, will Wentz have to wear a brace for the rest of his career? Now, Bill, I don't think you wore, you said you wore one for a while. Did you wear it for the rest? Of, so I feel like the answer is some players decide they want to, and some shed it as soon as they possibly can. Where they change the size of it. Yeah, yeah. They change the size. I think he'll, I think because of the nature and it was it has involves the band. I think that he will always have to wear something on his knee. Now, hmm. this is a very you guys. If you don't know, this is a really cumbersome brace that he will be wearing. I mean, it is a thick. We saw it yeah, at practice. Yeah, it's and you, black, and it's, and it's just. Pretty, it's strapped. Yeah, it's yeah, pretty. There's no pretty way bad. his knee's going to go. Still talking about the brace, right? One. Yes. Okay. The brace, yeah. <laughs> oh, that was good. Uh, Le- by the way, it's his, le- Jeff. it's his left knee. Very funny. <laughs> it's his left knee, right? But I think that possibly this year that brace will will stay on as his career goes. Depending on how he feels, you'll see a brace, but it won't be as cumbersome. Okay. Yep. Is that? Has there been? Because I know, obviously, you work with Defend Your Head, yep. so you work with a lot of technology and improving. Helmets, that's yep. your your specialty, but have yep. you seen advancements in knee braces oh. so that they're becoming more comfortable and less cumbersome? Unbelievable. Uh, it, it's, if you know, if you watch any offensive lineman, I don't even think defensive lineman, and nobody goes out there anymore without a brace on their knees if you're an interior. Lineman wear a I did yeah, notice yeah, that. Yeah, it yeah. seems like everybody wears a brace yeah. now, but you're saying the one Carson's going to wear is not going to be one of these ones that you're seeing pretty much everyone wearing like the oh, nylon I think, I think it's very similar to what the offensive linemen wear okay. you're, you're going to have it's going to be really structured it's going to keep his knee you're not going to have really any ability to go this way or that way it's just going to be stuck right in place so that's why I'm saying for him to go lateral uh-huh. it's going to be a lot more mm. difficult because he's going to have it's going to be so rigid it's almost like having two metal rods on both sides of his knee and then it's with a wrap on it that's I would love to. I, no, is it anyone? Is, any of the local media asked him about it? I'd love to know about it. Well, what, I think. Well, when was the first chance he actually spoke? Well, no, I guess he's had a lot of media sessions. I'd love where to he know. That's asked. actually a really good discussion because we don't. That bill, based on what you're saying, this may change the style of play of, of being less of a runner, more of a pocket. Not that he's he's always been a pocket passer, but he's a guy who would would run when when he needed to. So yeah, it's again, it's nine months. It's week three. They're one and one, coming off a loss. None of us saw it. We all picked the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Of course, when we taped this last week, I didn't know Deshaun wouldn't be playing. But the nice thing is, we're going to be here on Saturday, correct? Yeah. We are. Saturday, we'll no. be on the WIP Airwaves. I believe it's 7 o'clock. Is that right, my man, Johnny Barchard? Yeah, 7, 7 o'clock 8 p.m. Great. O'clock. So we'll be able to follow up our thoughts. But yeah, man, the week one guys didn't see that coming. Yeah, and here's one thing. If, if I'm, I know we're not, we're not getting into it yet, but when we do get into this, if I'm the Colts, I would be bringing a lot of pressure from the inside, forcing him to, to go that. to the outside. Whereas mm-hmm. before, a lot of times you want to bring pressure and keep the guys in the pocket. If you're a defensive uh, coordinator right now, besides what you saw with Tampa do, I think they'd roll up and continue to do that until the receivers beat them. 
But I think you're going to want to make you're going to want to move him a little. Well, bit. and again, I don't want to beat a dead horse because right now it's all speculation. But yep. it's not that I was trying to say that Doug Peterson is a total BSer. We already know that he keeps information, certain information, sacred for competitive advantage. Of course, if you're telling me, I'm, I would have to think Doug and the staff are thinking the same things you're thinking, Bill. That. The Colts would try to probably pressure him up the middle to force him to the outside, right? Yep, yep. So if I knew to at least expect that, well, then maybe I keep. Oh, he don't have fullback, but maybe I'm playing three tight ends. Maybe I'm doing something differently to funnel my protection toward mm-hmm. the middle, and that might change what I normally do. So, no, I don't think he's going to make radical changes. Like I said, I don't think he's going to run the ball seventy times just because Carson's playing. But I also don't believe it's just this is you know everything we do is exactly like we've done it before. I think you have to take certain measures to make sure in this guy's first game back that he's protected the right way. That's all. Um, second thing. I want to talk about the wide receivers and running backs because yeah, we already talked story. about the, the injuries. Yeah, yeah it's a big and, story and this, this is going to kind of fold into scheme and person. You got personnel which they're lacking in, and then scheme which you have to build around the personnel that you have. Um, the Eagles brought back Jordan Matthews, which is I thought was an interesting signing because we know a. It makes sense because he's a wide receiver who's been here. He knows the playbook. He knows the system. He knows the people. And it's really hard when you need somebody to play right away to go out and trade or sign like a Josh Gordon type, right? Uh, and then have him acclimated immediately. The Eagles needed someone that can play right away. And we'll see what kind of impact that he exactly has. exactly why they did it. But he's exactly. also a slot receiver. And he's always That's mostly been a slot right. receiver. Right. Does this mean now that when they go three wide, it's going to be... Nelson Aguilar on the outside. Yep. Uh, I guess right as we sit here today, is it going to be Shelton Gibson on the opposite? Well, probably oh, no, Kamar Aiken. I'm sorry, Kamar Aiken. Aiken. Yeah. And yeah. then Jordan Matthews in the slot. You know, three years ago, Kamar Aiken for the Ravens, he got pressed into service because their top three receivers were out. And he had a Sound great familiar? Year. <laughs> it's basically the same thing. He, same thing. Look, he, the guy at least shown. That's, by the way, ironically, guess who they're playing? The team that signed him to a big contract last year mm-hmm. and uh, didn't work, so the Colts got rid of him. Right. Aiken... Can go after the football. He's not a speed guy. He's sort of like an intermediate 10 to 15 yards downfield. You're not going to go really deep. Mm-hmm. But I think for this week, and we'll get into um, – we're going to get to Alshon Jeffrey in a minute. I'll give you some intel on kind of what I think is going on there. But I think right now it's, as you set it up, Aguilar, and I want to address all the, the jerks on Twitter. No, I'm just kidding for my followers. I got a lot of heat today for something I put out there, and I'll, I'll explain this. No, I think but you deserve it. Usually, <laughs> usually I do. Usually I do. I but that was you, Jeff. But with, with Aguilar – Yes, he he started his career as drafted as a, a, a first rounder by, by Chip Kelly to play on the outside. Over time, because he's smaller, he is six foot, but he's not super strong. The Eagles felt that he's got to play inside, but they had Jordan Matthews, who's incredibly productive. Mm-hmm. But the Eagles learned in their offseason program after Nelson put all of his personal problems behind him. He had the one issue locally. Unfortunately, he needed he needed to get straight. Once he put that behind him. It sort of freed his mind. They noticed when they got him inside the building. I talked to the Eagles, and it was like February. Like, wow, he seems like a changed guy. He's he's got his mind together. He's got you know. Doug did a great job, by the way, of managing that situation with Nelson. Mm-hmm. One of the many great things Doug has handled is he knows how to handle players because he was a player. So to spin this forward, once they saw Nelson in OTAs, they were blown away because they made a decision they're going to start playing him inside where they thought he could win. And the one difference between Nelson Aguilar. And Jordan Matthews is Nelson is incredible with the ball's hands in space. Jordan is a straight ahead runner. He's physical. He's tough. He cannot get downfield if you play him outside. He just can't. I agree. Okay. Now the I, way that no way that um, 
a cold source said that he he or he noticed on tape and other teams have watched the Eagles on tape they move they never or rarely will leave Aguilar in the same spot without being moved in motion right it's to free up him in space because he cannot win on the outside just playing you're not going to see him run a nine route ten times at a game because he can beat the guy physically he's not big enough you'll see them run a stack you'll see them line up three receivers to his side and free him up so this for the people are saying he can't play outside you're wrong but you're right in that they have to do something to free him up. So I, I get why people are pissed off about it. Well, I think this. He's not 6'3 and 210, right? He's not like your normal outside receiver Alshon anymore. Jeffrey. He's not Alshon right. Jeffrey. Right. He's not Mike Evans. However, go anybody who watched the Atlanta game saw him play outside and catch eight passes, mainly against two of the best corners in the game. And I thought he ran really physical routes. So I think you're right. You can't just send him down the field on fly routes and expect him to jump over But look at his average catch, so that's a concern. But that was more also, they're playing a cover three. And what I saw was a lot of comeback routes, a lot of stick, stick routes where the coverage is there, and he's using his body. So, but no, I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to say is, I agree with you. You can't run him conventionally all the way down the field and expect him to haul in yeah. a fade yeah. or anything. But yeah. I think he is proving this year that he can, whether it's in motion or in schemed correctly, he can be a productive player when used outside. But so, uh, you know, just personally playing the wide receiver position and looking at the the Eagles. Did you play slot or both? I played both. You both. Okay. Yep. And personally, I think the Eagles' receiving core was awful. And last week? Last week. Wow. And okay. you can take the second half and just stuff it away. And what I mean by that is their scheme, you know, if you, you need to take the first half. That's the defense that you're going to see again this week or something like that. When you're up three scores, you went, you saw a team that they, they rolled their coverage, they pressed, they bumped. The second half, they're like, we're up two or three scores. They came off, the, most of the time, they came off press. They allowed them to get free releases a mm-hmm. lot more than they did in the first half. And that's because they said the only way we're going to get beat is if Over we get the up top. the big top. Right. So we're not going to do that. The first half, they pressed, they bumped, and when you saw what they did, they abused, they got abused up front. Uh, Aiken, um, on, a, on, a, on a little slant route, he almost got, almost got Nick killed because Nick ran through the slant and he stopped. He literally stopped in his route and said it kept fighting, and the Eagles are lucky because they almost got it picked. So the Eagles receiving core, in my opinion, played very subpar in that first half, and it really set up the entire game because they had penalties, drops, uh, even even routes that that touchdown that Nelson had. Yeah, so I was going to ask you to do this. Explain yeah. this because I I saw it with my eyes, and then when you said it to me, I'm like I, I had a okay, feeling. What, that. what are we talking about here? The, the Nelson Aguilar touchdown. It was probably the nicest pass Nick Foles <laughs> threw all day. Okay, yeah, the corner out. Go ahead, Bill. Go ahead. So it was I I unbelievable post corner route, and in that route, you're you're trying to high rate. Now, I personally don't like to call because it's fourth and goal. And you're basically, it's almost like throwing a fade route. That's my two. I was going to say, we could do a whole podcast yes. on your disdain oh, oh, for the my, fade oh, route on two, fourth down. My, my, my two <laughs> negative things are a fade route and playing on the goal line without a fullback. That's my two <laughs> things I can't well, stand. Oh, you must man. hate yes. 2018 I, football, I, I, my I friend. I can't stand it because everybody just converges on the guy with the guy that's in the backfield as soon as the quarterback turns. But, all right, first corner, the inside guy is supposed to run a little five-yard out or a five-yard stop. Right. That would be Shelton Gibson in this Shelton case. Shelton Gibson, right. And what happened was they were man-to-man cut. Shelton Gibson, instead of rolling and staying flat on the five yard, he rolled it up to seven yards. And because of that, his man almost came off of him. He almost broke up the pass. Almost broke up the pass. And the Eagles didn't have a touchdown. And that was all 
And people th- is a game of inches. Wow. Well, that was a game of yards because I, he yeah. went from a five yard route to a six yard route, and that allowed his guy to come off him and almost broke that play up. Yeah, mm-hmm. these you, little things. Wow. You could tell that there was it's something not, not right, even though it was a great touchdown. Because as you're watching it on the screen, I it was to someone else. Exactly. Yeah. It, it, and I was, I was like, like, something's not what right. Are doing? I'm how, like, oh wow, they got a great, a great how throw. Often are two receivers that yeah. close to each other when they're not running a crossing route. That's good, man. I didn't know that's the type of stuff that gets you on the bench. If you know the Eagles had better talent right now, exactly because. That was, I mean, I don't even know how that ball got in there, but the most amazing part of that was how Nelson was able to then hurdle the cameraman. Did you see that? After he caught the ball, he took two steps, he got in, and next thing you know, it was either I'm going to collide with the cameraman or I'm going to figure out a way. He literally, two steps down, secured the ball, oh my and God. then hurdled the cameraman. The crazy thing is, look, he's the last man standing of their top, their top four. Yeah. The other three are out. I mean, there's, I, I, look, the Colts don't have a great defense, but Jeff. How are they going to score Neither this did week? Tampa. Yeah. I mean, Tampa had two backups playing corners. So and well, I don't 72 know. didn't play well. So right? well, let me ask you that. Before did. we, why why did the Eagles get Josh Gordon? I think the reality is the information they had was that they probably shouldn't have got shouldn't have got him. I don't think they trusted the situation. Um, you had said, and you're right at the top here. I think what they want is someone they knew we could play right away and depend on. The Patriots are risk takers. Not that the Eagles aren't. The Eagles have taken plenty of risks. Some have worked out. Actually, last year, a lot of them worked out. Almost all of them did. But this one was a... Like, had this been March or April where you didn't have to play a game, Mm -hmm. they could have waited a little bit longer. If he was still around at the trade deadline, they could have said, you know what? We've got six weeks of information on this kid. It's either yes or no. This thing got compressed after Josh Gordon had some really bad issues last week. Mm -hmm. The Browns were going to move him like yesterday's news. He was going to be off their football team. Yeah. They made a decision. They announced it. They were going to cut him. So, I my 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 sense is from what, talking to people, they were not going to trade for him. They, I, they wanted information. They wanted to see where this was going. And one of the things that Howie Roseman does a great job of is is gathering information. Even if it's when a player uh, he doesn't want or wants, or if he doesn't know that he's getting them, he wants to know what the compensation is because you store it in your information bank when you're trading players or acquiring players. Okay, th- for this player who's really talented but off the field issues this is what that team got mm-hmm. and they didn't get very much for Gordon the Browns didn't but the fact of the matter is when they made the announcement they were telling teams come get him if you want before we cut him on Monday and that's exactly what they did because quite frankly they could not like if they didn't get Jordan Matthews Jeff by the way they was the only player they worked out Tuesday I know which tells you that they obviously knew before they well, worked him out. I got a text. Apparently, there were a couple of offensive linemen maybe later in the day that uh, that showed up on the list. But that was the only like player of significance, right? That they right. But out. there were no there were no receivers. Yeah. And um, yeah. Well, I didn't get today's list because what happens is if you maybe don't turn it was for today then that I well got. if you don't turn them in by four p.m. Eastern they go on to the next day. Ah, just so, so that you know. Was probably yeah, okay. just for people listening. So there's two things that make my eyes roll. Question to both of you guys: What's your what's your sources tell you about Jeffrey coming back? Alshon Jeffrey. We'll get to that in a sec. But what were you going to say? There's two things that make my eyes roll that were pertinent to what we were just talking about, Billy, and that's one, and I know this is going to happen, the whole like Jordan Matthews catches in the first three years thing, like, okay, he's up there with like Larry Fitzgerald and Quan Bolden, and I'm so annoyed, like people got to be better. Like, yeah, but yeah I know no he catches numbers, a lot of right? balls, I know. there's no way he's in those guys' vicinity, or else he'd have a long-term okay. contract and a lot f- more money and this and that. Okay, so what you just said, a team told me when the Eagles were the Eagles were trying to move him really hard. The Green Bay game last year, uh, source told me that that was the game they played at Green Bay. Mm-hmm. The reason why he played, remember he w- he had been missing a lot of time with a knee injury. He had to play that game so they could show teams that he was healthy. They moved them two days later. Right. So, 
couple teams told me they were scouting him. All he really is is a numbers accumulator. He's a giant sized slot receiver. Spo- uh, no matter three. who I talk to yeah. around the league, I haven't they had one re- guy say, "Man, no I really, really like Jordan right. Matthews." Here's a great one. Yeah. Here's a great. Here's a really Buddy good Doug, thing. He's on productive. Matthews. All right, I know that there's an AFC team that really prides itself on drafting a certain type of player, right? A player that they this this guy told me that his team will pass on good talent if it doesn't think that specific kind of player or the way he plays a game will fit with his franchise because they have an identity, right? He said, I From love... off the field or, or no, size? No, no, like the high, way high he plays the game, the way you play the game. Just Physical, the way, okay. tough, All right. like gotcha. really a hardcore player. And he said, I, like liked, I liked Jordan Matthews coming out of college, but not for my team. So it's that kind of thing where we all know he's a great guy. We all know he's... Productive. You know, productive out yeah. of the slot. We all know that he's not trash. So I'm not trying to say that at all. I'm glad he's here. I like him way more as this team's number three option when, it, when Jeffrey comes back and you have Alshon and Zach Ertz, three or four option, than I do as number one or two. That's all. Fair point. That, so, that's actually the best way to mark this. When you have a team that doesn't have a lot of help, he sticks out like a thorough sum with production. Or a sore thumb. Yeah, you, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I, no, I listen, that, this yeah. is not TV. Yeah. I'm yeah, gonna, I'm you, gonna yeah. make fun of you when you sore do. thumb. Yeah, I need to say it. Sore <laughs> thumb, sore thumb. Thank you. And yeah. So anyway, but now I, I, I think, but Jeff, I would say this. Uh-huh. They still have Aguilar. They still have Zach Ertz, who's off to a great start. Yeah. Knock on wood, he's healthy, and 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 Nelson is, well, he's off to a great start. Mm-hmm. But they need more passing options. They need more targets. They are down in passing targets in a big way. Yeah. The second thing that makes my role, Billy, is that, and Adam, is whenever the Patriots get a player like they did with Josh Gordon, you always hear about Randy Moss, and you always hear about Corey Dillon, and you always hear about, there's a third player that they're kind of known for, for Brown. Right? But nobody yes. ever talks about Albert Hainsworth, or Kenny Britt, or Michael Floyd, or Chad Ochocinco, Cassius Marsh. I mean, they've also... It does put yeah. resources into bringing in guys, yeah. and it's just backfired for them. <laughs> there you go. So, like everybody always wants to say, "Oh man, the Patriots did it. Why couldn't we?" Well, just All because teams the Patriots do it, do it yeah. doesn't mean it's going to work. It's funny when I work with Bill Polian. What you just said, he hated when fans would. Say, look, he doesn't like the Patriots. We don't. We don't know <laughs> I that, think but, we know that. But he yeah. would point out, though. Look, every team brings in guys. Some teams don't want. Yeah. The Raiders did it for years. Right. Jim Plunkett. The list goes on and on and on. Lyle Alzado. Right. Uh, yeah, they're not the only one, but those because they're big time names. They stick out. Well, sure. The Raiders actually prided themselves in But it's funny. It. The Eagles brought back a guy that they knew. Uh-huh. And as you said at the top here, and we, we could go into this, who else could they possibly bring in who knew their scheme? It's a West Coast office. They knew the terminology. That's big because if you wanted someone to play this week, who in the world, who could they find other than Jeremy Macklin is still coming back from something? Actually, who else is left? There was one guy that, that, that I did not find out that they... They did not look into it recently, okay. but I, it popped into my head because of familiarity. And there's a guy in the Chiefs. His name is Demarcus Robinson, uh, who is a player out of Florida who is very talented but has an off-field issue. So three years ago, he fell in the draft, I think, into the fourth round. In fact, if you go look in the fourth round, I'm pretty sure the Chiefs drafted him three or four spots of where, where the Eagles were supposed <laughs> right? to pick. Really? Yeah, so two sources have told me that the Eagles have called the Chiefs Time uh, a couple of times in the past, in the past. year okay. or two, okay. trying to get, or at least trying to see if they could get Demarcus Robinson. The issues that 
have stalled this is a the Chiefs like Demarcus Robinson. He plays. He's not playing a lot as far as catching passes behind you know Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and Sammy Watkins, but he does uh, get out there and he does play on special teams. And he's still young. And B the Eagles have not. It's not like the Eagles are offering anything great for him. They're just trying he's to. A, he's a backup po- receiver. Yeah, 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 yeah but I'll tell you what to poach him. He Although was, if he was on this team, he might be more than a backup. He was a big time receiver at University of Florida. He had off the field issues. Yeah, he's a nephew of, of uh, Marcus Robinson, Marcus former, Robinson, right. Vikings uh, Bears receiver. And I believe. Greg Lewis is his godfather. They're ah, very close. Oh, yeah. he's the receivers coach for the, the, Chiefs, for the Chiefs now. now. Yeah. But used to be the Eagles. Yep. So they, remember, they were the Eagles were trying to acquire him about a year go. or two ago, and there you go. Yeah, and this is definitely a need for the Eagles, and, and you guys have all made the point, and here's the deal. This is a guy that's not going to just be a guy that spells. First off, the Eagles are, are, are hurting a wide receiver. When I saw in that game... I'd be really surprised if he didn't get significant snaps in this game. As long as he's as long as he's in shape, because Jordan a lot of Matthews, times, yeah. yeah, Jordan Matthews, he's going to have come in there, and a lot of times you'll have a guy that can spell him, but because he knows the terminology, because he knows the system, you're going to be able to put him out there on third down and passing situation, and you're not going to worry about him picking up the blitz. He's going to be able to pick up the blitz. He's going to be able to pick up the the, the all. Oh, he can block, and he can, he can block. block. Yeah. yeah. So wow. the bottom better line with is that, that six foot two, two hundred and ten pound body. <laughs> exactly. So with a guy like Carson Wentz, a lot of times if you're a guy and you're a quarterbacks coach or you're an offensive coordinator, you're like you know, listen, if they're if we're thinking they're going to blitz. We need to take this guy off the field because if he's going to be the hot read, we can't afford him to be able to get the quarterback killed. Jordan, though, knows the terminology, knows the hot reads, knows the audibles. He's going to be a guy that can probably play every down this week. I'd be surprised if he didn't see significant snaps. We will see. Now, we have two pertinent questions here from Facebook. Um, Actually, one comes from Billy Osborne. When's Alshon Jeffrey coming back? So we're going to have you answer that. But then also... um, Steven asked, do you guys think Howie will trade for a running back or a wide receiver this season? Well, okay. First, so, well, so let's yeah, get to, let's go, where, let's do do go sequentially. Yeah. When does Alshon Jeffrey come back? Either next week or the week after is when I Okay. Yeah. Next week or the uh, week Remember, after. I did say last week, player sources said week four or five. Yeah. Still think it's week four or five. Okay. Um, it, it's a situation where he's starting, they're ramping, they're supposed to ramp up his work this week. And then it's just a matter of, okay, what... Does he look like he's ready or not? Range of motion, pain tolerance, soreness. After he gets a lot of more, a lot more work. Uh, I've heard uh, for people who have seen him, he looks like incredibly. He looks really good. Like Alshon's issues with the Bears was when, when when you come to his body, he was never like really jacked and rocked. He's in real good physical shape, but Bill, who played, knows physical shape is not game shape. So you're not going to know that at receiver. And he is the one guy who would protect Aguilar because you saw it during their playoff run. How many co- catches do you make that were contested? He'd go over the guy. Right. Fit. That's why they signed to the extension because they don't have that physical dominant guy on the outside. They need that so badly. Yes. So to answer your question, I think it'll be week four or five. Does so, Howie swing a trade this year? At running back? Well, or okay. wide receiver? Um, receiver? I would say this. It's not like they're not looking. They're still looking. Yeah. And well, then, yeah, they're always sniffing around. That position now is paramount because they have nowhere to go. If Jordan Matthews gets hurt or if someone else gets hurt, oh, my God. Is Harold Carmichael to come out of retirement? <laughs> Who else do they have? Mikey like, Quick? <laughs> Billy they, Osborne? They, they have a couple of great. <laughs> Billy can play slot. We'll be running a lot of quick game. There'll be a lot of hits. There'll be a lot of hitches. Or, uh, so, exactly. That's it. Now, when you say hitch, Billy, you <laughs> six-yard hitch, that's it. Catch that's right. and get down. Get hitch down, in your right. leg after you're trying there. to run around. Yeah, it'll be so, a so hitch Je- in the game. So, Jeff, but, but I think it's, it's worth recognizing, back, though, that Howie last year – did something that none of us expected, and he got Trey Ajayi yeah. to make us. Uh, so, a month ago, when I was um, in a past life, I was working at a different station. Someone asked me, "Is there another station on air?" No, Not no, really. No. Uh, someone I asked me on air. 
give me a hot take for the Eagles 2018 season. <laughs> and I actually thought about it because I wanted to make a hot take yeah. that maybe there was like the smallest flicker if things happened. And I said, here's a hot take for Eagles 2018 season. Le'Veon Bell holds out for a really long time. <laughs> the Steelers get annoyed. <laughs> and he gets traded to the Eagles. Wow. Yeah, but here's the problem. Okay, we don't want to get a Le'Veon Bell discussion other than say this. When his agent goes on the record and says what he said about Le'Veon and what's his role going to be, Yeah, you can't pay for them. By the way, you can't extend his contract. Yeah. He's a running back. How he's come a long way. Well, that's what it would be. Let's and listen, he's I'm very just smart the way he does. Argument's I'd sake, right? If, they're not looking to trade him anyway. Right. Of course they're not. But it's funny how you you predicted that he would have a holdout. Well, he, there well, you yes, go. Said, technically, you're not a holdout until you, you have a contract. That's true. He's just technically, but he's not signing his, his tenor. But right. Do they make a trade for a running back? Well, okay. Let's look at it quickly. They've got Clement. They've got Sproles, who's hurt right now, is 35, 36 years old. Right. Ajayi and Ajayi, Josh Adams. Who's got, who's, got knee, who's got injury history, so is Josh Adams. Right. And Wendell Smallwood is still, Wendell technically still there. On the team. He's still there, who could play special teams. That's his value. I mean, they've got some guys, but, you know, I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me if Howie felt like there was a guy you, he could get and maybe a little bit healthier than Ajayi as far as for the long term. Maybe our listeners know because I don't have it in front of me. Where did, I read somewhere the Eagles have 10. Draft picks? I think it's. I think it's eleven. If okay, I'm, maybe I, it's ten. It, it, okay, it's, it so is please correct us. Send it on Facebook, and that's before the compensatory picks get announced. Right. right? Plus, and plus, you could trade compensatories now. Remember, the, the rule came in yes. last year. Yes. So yeah, it would surprise me there, but their their greater need is a receiver because they're not going to have, they're not going to have Mike Wallace or Matt Collins until somewhere at the earliest around Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Wow. So somewhere between mid to late November. That's if everything works well coming off um, their issues. A broken leg, obviously, right. <laughs> for Mike Wallace. I never, I still have not seen the play. I haven't seen the replay of where he heard it, but that stinks as he's a speed receiver. By the way, the, the, that injury takes, uh, I checked into it, typically takes six to eight weeks for recovery. Okay. And you could get on the field in like week seven, start running, and it takes two to three weeks after that. So I would, I would think between eight and ten weeks would be the earliest. Mm-hmm. So again, you know, somewhere around middle of November would be the earliest. So right now, they're going... This is tough. Like right. they cannot afford one injury at wide receiver. Right. Not one. Right. Ozzy, you worked as a scout in the Kansas City Chiefs organization. Yep. So I feel like maybe you can explain to me something that oh, I think all three of us have troubled have, have struggled to reconcile because we know that the best organizations function as one where the scouting staff knows what the coaching staff wants. The GM understands what the scouting tells the scouting staff what they need to look at. And there's communication. There's constant meetings, right? Always. So when the Eagles in April trade up in the second round to take a tight end in Dallas Goddard, when they already have a Pro Bowl tight end, I have to think that collectively the organization felt that it's okay to have t- these two tight ends and that they will figure out a way to put them both on the field. We've seen throughout the first two weeks that they've played majority three wide receiver. And we've talked ad nausea now about how Doug likes to run out of three wide receiver sets. It spreads the defense. It makes them light. They're in nickel. Jason Kelsey kicks out on outside zone. He'd rather block a 185-pound nickel corner than a 230-pound linebacker. It's all making sense. I don't question that offensive strategy. I do question, though, having your second-round pick, who you traded up for, who is technically your first pick, Riding the pine while guys who are fringe receivers in the NFL are getting 30 to 40 to 50 snaps. What's going on? Well, they're trying to figure out a way. It's all about matchups. We talked about this two weeks ago here on the show. We talked about how you attack a defense and what does an offense do. And at least for the first couple games, 
Doug felt that they needed to have the three wide receiver set, or what they call, you know, you used to like to say they have 11 personnel. Well, yeah, Tiger. You want to call Tiger? Tiger, yep. No, no, no. Is that Zebra is the 12. He did say Zebra. That's right. He talked about that in the press conference. Yeah, Zebra, I should say. The bottom line is that uh, now they're going to have to figure out a way because I think, and we all agree about this, and we said it two weeks ago, that when they have their two tight ends, especially those two guys, that's a mismatch, especially in the offensive scheme. And right now, you can see they're having problems getting the ball down the field. So that's a that's a scenario that I think the coaching staff really has to look at and figure out a way, whether it's stack, whether it's motion, whether it's just out of two tights and play action. they got to get both of those on the field involved in the passing game because there's too many of second and third long situations because when they, teams are going to see this, they bring the nickel in, but they still figure out a way to stop the run, and now you're in second and long situations. I, I don't think Goddard did anything. I think people think Goddard's in the doghouse. No. I really do think it's Doug is just so married to three wide. Yep. And you even heard Doug he say, <laughs> yeah, and you even heard him say on Monday that he's going to have to start to reevaluate because at some point, it's not just a bad look, but you have a good tight end who can help you. And, you know, just to let people know on my Patreon page, patreon.com slash Jeff Mosher, where I give you all sorts of Eagles coverage for $1.99 a month. I found three examples. I think three instances of the Eagles running the ball effectively at a two tight end formation. So it didn't kill them. They used motion, as you said, to, to draw a linebacker out of the box when, when Aguilar or Perkins even would come across the line. But there's ways to be able to get Goddard on the field and still be a good run team, even if Goddard and Ertz aren't the greatest run blockers in the world. No, as a team told me that, like Goddard, in fact, they would have drafted him in the first round had they not gotten the player they wanted. That, that he was number two on their list. They told me that he's a great kid, willing blocker. He's not. He didn't. Wasn't asked really to do it, but they knew from studying him he can do it. And by the way, he's bigger physically than Ertz. He's just he's longer. And he's thicker. He. They don't play a lot of twelve personnel. One back, two tight ends, two receivers. But you brought they up something to. which is really important to understand here. Personnel staffs and coaching staffs meet before the draft. They go, okay, here where are we at this player, uh, if, especially. When it gets closer, where they they start, they they've already stacked their board. They go, okay, we this is where we have this player. We like him. We're probably going to take him. The coaching staff's got to tell him, okay, here's what our plans would be for him. Because I think we would all agree, we knew the Eagles were going to draft the tight end. They had to. Selleck was going to retire. Mm-hmm. But we, I didn't know second round. That was a surprise to me. You don't draft blocking tight ends to the second round. That that guy's got to catch the football, right? So Doug, this is on Doug. Figure the blank out. Yeah, this is what I would do if I'm in the front office. It's your job. We drafted him for you. He's a passing option. You're down three guys. Figure the blank out and get this guy on the field. And in my opinion, they're going to have to because I think you're going to see a steady dose of press coverage early in this ballgame until the receivers or until Carson figures out a way to effectively pass the ball down the field because as we saw in the first half, they constantly struggled against bump. They were rerouted. They got pushed to the sideline. Right. The windows were... You know, so small. I mean, Carson, you don't care how good he is. He's not going to be able to fit those balls in there time and time again without a potential turnover. So one way to effectively go after press coverage is to obviously either do either do motion or go 12 personnel. Right, and that's why I thought he was hurting his running game. I'm sorry, he was hurting his passing game at the expense of wanting to run out of three wide. We saw against Atlanta, receivers could not get open other than <laughs> Nelson. And then he put three more receivers you know out there, funny? even without Mike Wallace. And we right? all thought, doing it again. Yeah. Jeff, we all thought that they were going to go with 12 personnel. They didn't do it. They didn't use, they used Goddard right. for the, the end zone throw where he didn't get his feet in bounds. It would have been a touchdown. But man, the Colts are small. 
This is a perfect opportunity to use this big hulking tight end that you draft in the second round. Get him on the field. Look, Jordan Matthews is physical. He'll help them in the inside. Goddard's a mismatch on a linebacker. They're not a big, what, how many 6'5 linebackers are there? Come on, man. Yeah, no, I think it's Let's a go. great mismatch. All right, listen, on Saturday, we're going to be here at WIP from 7 to 8 o'clock. And right. I think what we're really going to do is focus in that show on some of the things, the secondary breakdowns that we have. The matchups from the Colts. Yeah. Uh, the cornerbacks yeah. and especially how they're going to match up against the Colts and who have good wide receivers. Before we get out of here, the Eagles are in Tampa. And I couldn't, over the weekend, they were in Tampa. John Barcher was there. I gave uh, JB some pretty good steak House recommendations. I don't know if he took me up on Burns, but there's a lot around on uh, that uh, Dale Mabry. Yeah, Dale. Thank you, Dale Mabry. Yeah. So, uh, so Tampa's known I've for been two there, things. Yeah. Tampa is known for two things, right? Yeah. Steakhouses, yes, and and strip clubs. I was just going to say know probably got the most in, in the country. I have no doubt, and they're good too. What I heard. Yeah. Heard. So you I have heard. a question. Why do they call them gentlemen? Gentlemen's, gentlemen's club. Clubs. Are there any gentlemen in there? Uh, I wouldn't no. know about that. I mean, when you're there, I'm just Adam. asking. I'm just asking. I wouldn't know. My wife's just yeah, watching. When Adam comes in, they're saying, a yeah. gentleman wrote to just <laughs> yeah. entered in this yes. club. He's wearing a suit. Yeah. Exactly. So listen, there's a method to this madness here. There's a reason why I bring up Tampa okay. and strip clubs and steakhouses and NFL football players and the women and everything. Because, you know, Billy, I, we, we oh. never asked Billy about his good NFL eagle, you know, stories uh, oh. about the ladies. And I figure, like, you got to have one good one, Billy. I was wondering where you were going with this. Now, <laughs> JB so turned on his mic. I thought JB was going to be in here. Hey turned, JB turned it off and took off. I was smart. Um, so, yes, I, there was one funny time in camp. You know, I, I had a, a good fortune to be playing with some characters. What Randall year? Cunningham. This was 1989. We were yeah. in Westchester. And we're playing up, and they had the snow fences, you know, and everybody could come out there and, and see. It was it was amazing. Well, I had, like I said, the good fortune to be played with some characters. We all know Randall was a character. Matt Cavanaugh, who's University of Pittsburgh wow. guy, oh, yeah. he was a, as a backup. Donnie Mack was also a, a, a Don quarterback. McPherson? Don yeah. McPherson was there. So, oh, wow. So another name. No, you were in the quarterback club somehow. Nice job. Well, I was actually <laughs> war 13, and I was a, a backup quarterback, but we were running pass drills. And so we're in there, and you know, you, you're basically running on air, or then you come out and you run one-on-one. So you go and you get into the quarterback, and they say, okay, we want you to run a post corner, and you, you go out and you run it. And then the other side of the – You were a slot receiver for the Eagles? I was a slot, yep. Okay. So then the other side of the receiver, then they go, and then the tight ends go. But you always get your play, and then you run out. Yeah. Well, we just so happened we were kind of just clowning around beforehand, and there were some attractive ladies that happened to be at this particular practice. Go and figure. they were, yes. <laughs> and uh, it was a rather hot uh, afternoon, and uh, the snow fence was uh, the only thing separating us from these very attractive ladies, but they were way down the field. So I got in the huddle, and of course I'm a young guy, and uh, basically was tasked with this really difficult thing. And Randall said, okay, Ozzy, listen, I want you to go out and I want you to run a 10-yard stop. I said, I got you. He said, but I'm going to throw a 10 yards over your head. I'm like, well, why? why? <laughs> I never he heard goes, that yes. Part. He goes, well, and I'm in the huddle. He goes, I want you to look down there. Oh. At the 40. I said, well, he goes, there's really, there's three really hot girls and Matt Cavanaugh wants to know, are they a five, six, seven, eight, nine, or 10? So we're going to task you with this. So you were a scout as well as a receiver. I was a scout even before I was a scout. <laughs> I ran a 10-yard route to much to my, uh, I guess you could say, a surprise and my embarrassment, Randall threw a strike to the snow fence. <laughs> I mean, it was an absolute what is a snow hopper. fence? You know the uh, that's for a different podcast. You know, it's those fences that you know are, are, are they have wood stakes in them. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, I guess they call them a snow fence, uh, whatever you want to call them. There, they, they, they gather snow. It's a, it's a it's a wooden <laughs> flexible just fence. Asking, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's about three feet high. I got you. Randall you learn a lot threw, on this podcast. And, and you know, you know, and, and it goes up the hill. Somehow, Randall was able to bank this throw on a one hop oh and God. let it sit right next to the snow fence. I run out there. 
I go and I catch the, you know, I get the ball, I take a quick gander, I look back there and I just put up three hand, two hands and I put eight. <laughs> and then they said, and then they went, like that's in other words, yeah. her friend, I went, nine. And they went, <laughs> nice. oh, okay. And they ran back. And of course the coaches are like, well, what's going <laughs> on? <laughs> and uh, frankly, I didn't get fined. I didn't get asked to turn around for them. But you know, I, wow. I, that's, when you're in camp, these are the things that you try wow, and do. Wow, that's so, a new one. I well, that my friend, before. that is what I call a hot route. Yes. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> We're going to end the podcast on that. Billy Osborne on Twitter, at Billy underscore, I'm sorry, at Ozzy. O-Z-Z-I-E underscore football. Yep. Adam Kaplan at Kaplan NFL. I'm on Twitter at Jeff Mosher NFL. We'll catch you all again next week.